I'm Daniel. I've been researching 19th century performance practice and I wanted to share with you some approaches to tone colour that 19th century guitarists had, which they left behind in their method books. I want to focus on two main things. The first are plucking regions and the second orchestral imitations. So the first thing I want to do is read some quotes from method books that talk about the approach to tone production that guitarists had. So I'm going to begin with a quote by Ferdinando Carulli from his Complete Method for Guitar. He says, The right hand does not have a fixed position because of the extent that you want to sweeten the sounds to imitate the harp. And to do so, you have to bring it closer to the sound hole. When you want to play loud, you have to bring the hand closer to the bridge. Now a quote from Francesco Molino from his new method for the guitar. The right hand exerts no other way of playing with expression than first to pluck the string with clearness, creating a soft and agreeable sound imitating as much as possible that of the best harpsichord, and then to characterize with soul and energy all the ideas and sentiments which must be expressed by means of well-graduated pianos and fortes, which ought to be noticed in sound and which produce such a great effect. Now I'm going to read a couple of quotes from Sidney Pratton, who is someone that I've spent quite a bit of time researching and I've talked about her in um, past articles. And So here are two of her quotes from Guitar School. This charming and graceful instrument is capable of much execution, intense pathos, and a variety of effects, peculiarly its own, and is also admirably adapted as an accompaniment to the voice. An eminent composer in eulogizing the merits of the guitar says with much truth that although it has not the power of some large instruments, it has a revenge in its delicate sweetness and sympathetic tones. Later on in the method, she says, as the charm of the guitar consists in bringing out a round, full tone and varying the quality according to the style of music or phrasing, either with energy or brilliancy or pathos and expression, not merely making sounds which only touch the ear, but producing such tones that touch the feeling to strike the strings of the guitar in a matter-of-fact way is anything but pleasing, and indeed has given many a dislike to the instrument. But to admirers of guitar, even a few notes or chords well produced or played have an indescribable charm.
So now I want to talk to you about plucking regions. Modern guitarists often think of three distinct regions to pluck with the right hand. Ponticello near the bridge, a normal sound sort of around the rosette area, and tusto near the fretboard. A method by Sidney Pratton called Guitar School shows us a diagram with five plucking regions. Example A is right near the bridge. Example B is about halfway between the bridge and the rosette. Example C is at the rosette. Example D is close to the fretboard. And example E is quite a ways up the fretboard. She also talks about the effect of each example. Example B, she writes that its hard, crisp tone is produced at this part and the tips of the fingers to strike the strings with great force. Example C, she writes a round, full tone to be struck with the fleshy part of the fingers. Example D, mellow and harp-like tone to be struck with the fleshy part of the fingers. And example E, for soft and delicate passages to be struck gently. She doesn't give a description for example A in the diagram, but she will uh, later on. Um, so example A, she writes that uh, it can be used for imitating horns or bugles on the gut strings. So these five positions were used frequently in music as well. There's an example that Pratton gives of six measures of music by Fernando Saw. And within these six measures, she indicates a change of color five times. So I'm just going to play this for you, and then I'll talk about it a little bit. So, as you can see, I started here, example E, right at the, up at the fretboard. And then as the sound increases, as the crescendo happens, as more notes start to come in, my hand moved down towards the bridge to example D. So example E here. Example D. So that's near the fretboard. Example C at the rosette. And then example B about halfway between the rosette and the bridge. And then we have a dolce, so we go back to example D close to the fretboard. So I hope you can try and use these examples in the music that you're playing. Um, don't be afraid to change colors frequently in the music, even measure by measure, phrase by phrase. It's pretty obvious that from this evidence, 
guitarists were changing colors frequently in the 19th century and it can make playing this music uh, a lot more exciting and a lot more colorful and as we're going to see 19th century guitarists were imitating orchestral instruments as well using the guitar Nineteenth-century guitarists left us a lot of information about imitating orchestral instruments. This included instruments like the oboe, the flute, the trumpet, and the harp. And I want to just show you some of these examples briefly. I also want to read you some quotes from Berlioz's Treatise on Orchestration, where he describes each instrument in a very descriptive way, almost whimsical way. So I'm going to begin with the oboe. The oboe is especially a melodial instrument. It has a pastoral character, full of tenderness, nay, I would even say of timidity. A certain degree of agitation is also within its powers of expression, but care should be taken not to urge it into utterances of passion, the rash outburst of anger, threat, or heroism. For then its small acid sweet voice becomes ineffectual and absolutely grotesque. Some great masters, Mozart among them, have not escaped this error. In their scores, passages are to be found, the impassioned meaning and martial accent of which contrast strangely with the sound of the oboe that executes them. So I hope that by me reading these quotes about the instrument, it gives you an idea of the character and the spirit of the instrument. So now I'm going to play an example that Fernando Sor gives in his method book about imitating the oboe. First a short quote. In imitating a singing passage for the oboe, it is only possible to venture on short passages in thirds, intermixing slurred and staccato notes. As the oboe has quite a nasal sound, not only touch the strings as near as possible to the bridge, but curve the fingers and use the little nail to set them in vibration. So here is the example which he gives in his method book. So I'm going to pluck right near the bridge. I, I'm going to call this example A using Pratton's diagram. I'll just do that one more time, maybe a little bit slower. So if you see any passages that have a similar sort of um, structure to that, uh, thirds with staccatos and legatos, I think that's a great opportunity to use this effect and become an oboe or maybe a pair of oboes playing.
The next instrument I'd like to talk about is the flute. Berlioz writes about the flute. The sound of this instrument is sweet in the medium, rather piercing in the high notes, and very characteristic in the low ones. They may be employed in melodies, or accents of varied character, but without equaling either the artless gaiety of the hobo, or the noble tenderness of the clarinet. The flute is an instrument well-nigh devoid of expression, which may be introduced anywhere and everywhere, on account of its facility in executing groups of rapid notes, and in sustaining high sounds useful in the orchestra for adding fullness to the upper harmonies. On studying the instrument carefully, there may be discovered an expression peculiar to it, and an aptitude for rendering certain sentiments, in which no other instrument can compete with it. So Fernando Saw gives us a couple of examples, or one example really, and he basically says that um, in order to imitate an instrument, it is requisite for the imitating instrument to be at the same pitch. So he gives us an example of a rather low passage down here. But he says that if you want a passage like that to be imitating the flute, it should be up higher. So he gives it up an octave. That's about all the information we have, but I think Berlioz gives us one more a little bit of a clue, which is that the flute can give expression anywhere and everywhere on account of its facility in executing groups of rapid notes. So I think this facility in rapid notes is uh, one clue that we have. If you see groups of rapid notes in a piece, it's probably suggesting a flute. And I think there's an example in one of Saw's pieces, his uh, Opus 16 variations on a theme by Paisello. So I'm just going to play this introduction. So that's just uh, the first few measures there. So we have these big chords marked forte. And then they're followed by these rapid notes marked dolce. And then followed immediately by... ...cleared with some more rapid notes. So I think those rapid notes in that passage uh, suggesting a flute. I hope you can find some similar passages, and if you do, please let me know, because I'd like to collect these passages that are maybe suggesting the flute, so we can have a little bit of a database of these. Now I'm going to talk about the horn. Sidney Pratton gives us three different examples for imitating the horn. The first one 
she writes that it's done by using the nails of the first and second fingers, using the nails close to the bridge, and this is to imitate horns at a distance. The second example is by using the thumb and first finger without the nails, you'll be able to produce a different quality of tone. So in order for me to do that, I have rather long nails, I have to really flatten my wrist here, so I'll do that a little bit slower. And then the third one, she writes that another amusing effect can be obtained in imitation of a single horn by playing a succession of notes upon one of the silver, which is the bass, one of the bass strings with the first finger nail. So I think Pratton was quite aware of the different tones that the horn was able to produce, which Berlioz wrote about. So I'm going to read you his quote about the horn. They have two kinds of sounds of very different character. Open sounds, which are almost all the natural resonance of the harmonic divisions of the instrument's tube, and come out without other assistance than that of the lips and breath of the player and closed sounds, which are obtained by closing more or less the bell with the hand. So this could be the open sound. Using the nails uh, close to the bridge. And the example where you use the flesh to produce a different quality of tone could be the closed sound, a more muted sound. So again, if you find passages like that, then they're probably imitating horn, and now you've got some different options there. So please let me know if you find any examples like that in your music. The final instrument I'd like to talk about is the harp. Berlioz writes about the harp. Nothing can be more in keeping with the ideas of poetic festivities or religious rites than the sound of a large body of harps ingeniously introduced. Alone, or in groups of two, three, or four, they have almost a most happy effect, either uniting with the orchestra or serving to accompany voices and solo instruments. Of all known qualities of tone, it is singular that the quality of horns, of trombones, and generally of brass instruments, 
mingles best with theirs. The strings of the last upper octave have a delicate crystalline sound of voluptuous freshness, which renders them fit for expressions of graceful fairy-like ideas and for giving murmuring utterance to the sweetest secrets of smiling melodies. So both Aguado and Saw give us a musical example. I'm just going to play Aguado's example for you, and I'll read you his quote. It is possible to imitate the harp by plucking the strings on the last frets of the neck. So I'm going to say maybe example D, or even example E of Pratton's diagram. With the right hand with an adequate position of the wrist, this sound will be all the more effective as the left hand presses the strings on top of the neck. So what he's saying is um, that the music should be written quite up high here so that the left hand is um, up around the 12th fret and the right hand is plucking close by on the fretboard and this is going to produce a harp-like sound. So I'm going to play you the example, it's a very beautiful one. So I think this texture is quite common in 19th century music, but maybe what not a lot of people are aware of is that this is imitating the harp when you have these flowing arpeggios, especially when the music is quite uh, high in range. So I hope you really think about the position of the right hand and about the characteristics of the harp and really infuse that into the music. Again, if you do find examples of this in any pieces, I'd really love to know. So I hope that's given you a little bit of an overview of orchestral imitations. Um, I also talked about plucking regions, and I think that two go hand in hand and they work together. If you take my course, Play Like a 19th Century Guitarist, I go into this stuff in even more detail and show you how you can incorporate these effects into the pieces you're working on.